Today's scripture reading is Acts 3, 1 through 9. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. This is the living word of God for us today. And uh, kudos to the McIntosh family. You killed it. Thank you so much for our, our scripture reading today. Y'all, 23 years ago, there were, there were a group of, I wanna say 20, 25 families that were meeting in the cafeteria of Franklin High School. And, and they were meeting because they were preparing to plant a church called Fellowship Bible Church. Some of you are watching now and, and you were in that cafeteria. Uh, you were there. Uh, we spent uh, nine to 10 months we spent um, in that cafeteria. And every time we gathered, I remember this, we would say, because some people would kind of wander in, you know, or would visit. And we'd say, now look, this is not a church service. Uh, we don't have uh, classes for your children. We don't have student ministry. We don't have these Bible studies. We don't even have a facility, but we have a vision of what could be. But, but we wanted people to know, you know, this, this is not a, a normal church service. It's a core group. And, and, and as a core group, uh, we're, we're training ourselves to, to plant this church. Um, here's, here's what we knew, the deep conviction that the DNA of the core group, okay, would become the DNA of the church, no matter how long God blessed us as a church. And we wanted the, we wanted the DNA to contain uh, Paul's exhortation and the principle he outlines in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Here Paul says to the church at Ephesus, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. See, and embedded in the DNA of, you know, those 20 to 25 families was this conviction. We're the church, not, not the pastoral team. No, the, 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 we, the people, are the church. And, and it's the role of the, the church itself to equip all of us for the work of ministry. In other words, we, we believe this, that when the church gathers, um, we're gathered so that when we're scattered, we are effectively doing the work of ministry. Now I tell you that story, <clears throat> excuse me, because, and I said this this week as I was thinking about this message, I go, I feel like I am back at Franklin High School in that cafeteria because we don't have a facility, so to speak. We're, we don't have the programs that are normally going on where we're, that, that are discipling people. And you're scattered, you're, you know, you're sitting in living rooms, wherever you may be. I'm right back in that Franklin High School 
cafeteria, and, and we're doing core group training. And, and that's what this feels like to me. I don't know what it feels like to you, but this, this is what I'm gonna be doing in particular this morning. And, and we're, I'm equipping you where you are. And y'all, I want you to think about this. While we are not physically gathered, we, I mean this, you know, Rob and I, our, our team, the elders, we don't see this as a disruption of the church as much as we see it as the church unleashed. It's like coronavirus unleash the church because where you're sitting right now is where God has placed you. You know, our neighborhood, we're made for this to share the gospel where he has put us. Now, what Rob and I have, have sought to do and are seeking to do, and Rob will wrap this up next week in this last message in this made for this series is to help us see that in this unique season of a global pandemic, we believe uh, we were made for this. What were we made for? Well, well, Rob talked about it in the first message. We were made to love God and love others. And to be more specific and concrete as a church, Fellowship Bible Church, we believe that the most effective, eternally significant thing we can do in this season in loving God and loving others, those two things that are one, is to pray with our neighbors. And we're just doubling down on pray with our neighbors, that that's what we think God's uniquely called and gifted us to be about in this season. Well, there's more to do, Lloyd. Yes, there's more, but there's never less. And the more will come as we are praying with our neighbors. Last week, I introduced you a very simple tool, um, the transformational pathway that takes the whole heart and engages the whole heart um, such that we can pray for people, uh, not just at the surface level, honestly, all, but we can pray for the deepest desires of their heart. Because those deepest desires, they're only satisfied in Jesus. <laughs> we got, but we need to name them and point, them to, point people toward Christ. So this morning in true, this is core group fashion, training and equipping. I'm gonna review uh, what, I, what I talked about. And I'm gonna give you an example, I'm gonna give you some examples of, okay, what does this look like, Lloyd, what you're talking about? And then we are gonna end this service with a miracle. Take your Bibles if you have them. I wanna start in the book of Acts, uh, the passage the McIntosh family read earlier, Acts chapter three, verses one through nine. Acts three, one through nine. I wanna go there because in this particular passage, we find a principle, and there are many, but this is the one I want us to hold on to, that uh, the principle that undergirds, you know, why we're inviting us to trust God by faith and, and pray with our neighbor. There's a principle residing within this amazing story that I want us to consider and ponder for a moment. Uh, follow along in your Bibles. I'm just gonna read it. I'm just gonna make a few comments, not, not super deep, but make some comments that give us the context for what's happening. And then I'll draw out that principle. Look at verses one through three, follow along in your Bibles. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the, excuse me, into the temple, he asked, 
to receive alms. We'll stop there for a moment. There, there was no better place to beg than in Jerusalem, a lot of people. There was no better, no better place to, to beg than at a gate, at one of the gates leading into the temple. I mean, this is where the crowds would, you know, would narrow down. It's like, boom, you got a lot of people walking in front of you as they go into the, the gate. There's no better place to because you know, uh, Jewish faith and Judaism, you know, had, had become a, a, a legalistic, this is what you do to be right with God. And, and so for, for a Jew, you know, um, being kind was one of the top three tenets. And, and imagine this, you're going into the temple where you're going to, to worship God, you know, to be right with God. And so right before you go in, doesn't it make sense? I need to do something good before I go in. Boom, I hand the beggar some money. Acts 4.22 tells us this man was over 40 years old. He probably started begging as a child. We're talking 30, I don't know, 35 years that he lived at knee level there begging. And I, and I can only imagine, just ponder for a moment, the condition of this man, not just physically, but probably, you know, the physical condition expressing the condition of his heart. 35 years of that. The story goes on in verses four and five. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he, the man, fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Y'all think about what we tend to do, what I, you know, I'm speaking for what I tend to do. If I, if I see someone begging, I don't want to make eye contact. If I'm driving and I pull up to a stoplight and the person's standing next to me and they, you know, I'm homeless, would you give? I'm, I'm reaching for something in the car. I'm adjusting the hair. You know, I don't want to make eye contact. And yet here, please make note that Peter and John, they, they, they didn't avoid him. They looked at him. They looked right at him. And they said, look at us. It's like, what? This is really odd. Look at us. Don't look at everyone passing by. Think about this. Don't look at everyone that's going by that could be a potential donor. Look at us. And he looks and he expects something from them. And then the story resolves, verses six through 10. Note in your scripture, but Peter said... I have no silver and gold, but what I, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. He restates it, just verse 10, I'm gonna grab it. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Y'all, this is instantaneous, total and complete healing. Can you imagine the physical body uh, not moving for 40, over 40 years and in a moment he's leaping. There's no rehab, there's no stretching out. I mean, I, I'm, I'm stretching out my back before I came up to teach because I'm feeling sore or whatever. No, he's not sore at all. He's leaping and he's dancing and Luke uses a very interesting word. The word he uses for leaping 
uh, in this passage. It's the same word translated in the Old Testament in Isaiah 35, 6. In Isaiah 35, um, it's in a section, of course, Isaiah's prophesying of Messiah. You know, he's saying, you know, in the future when Messiah comes, let me tell you what's gonna happen. By the way, it's 500 years before this event, before Jesus comes. And in that passage in Isaiah, it reads, then the lame will leap like a deer. And here it's happening to this man. Now Luke's quick to give the details. That's why I grabbed verse 10, 9 and 10. He says, everyone saw it. I mean, y'all, we're talking thousands of people that are in the temple. They, think about this. They've been walking by that guy, depending on how old they are, but for, for decades themselves. They know who that person is. They know that man is lame and they see him and they're filled with wonder and amazement. That's where the focus, uh, that's where Luke takes us in terms of the focus following the story. Now I want you to grab a piece of paper if you have one, uh, j- just grab one nearby or you can use your phone. So you're gonna make a note to yourself. You can make a note to, on, on your phone, but I'm just grabbing one of my notes here and I'm gonna, I'm gonna write on the back of this paper, but I want you to just write a statement. So I want you to write exactly what Peter and John said. I want you to write what I have I give to you. That's all. What I have, I just wanted to, I want us to write it. What I have, I give to you. Though they did not have silver and gold, what the man expected. What they did have, they gave. Now, quite simply, I want to suggest they gave this man Jesus. And you go, no, Lloyd, they did what we could never do. They healed the man. They gave him healing. Yes, yes, they did. And they did it in Jesus' name. They recognized it's Jesus by the authority and power of Jesus, which means Jesus is alive and he healed this man. And they make that clear later. But I'm gonna say when we read the whole story, which by the way is chapter three and chapter four, it's a long story and we read it, what we, what we recognize is Luke takes our focus off the, that physical healing and he puts the spotlight on the proclamation of the gospel that resulted from that healing and the fruit that came from the proclamation that resulted from that healing. Look at chapter four, verse four you know, Peter, you know, or, or Peter's preached a message and, and, and here it's continuing. He says, but many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men and women came to about 5,000. Just earlier, some 3,000 come to faith on the day of Pentecost. We're adding at least 2,000 men. It's probably more. So thousands have come to faith in part as a result of this man's healing. Look at chapter four, verses 12 to 14. Luke continues, and there, this is Peter speaking, but Luke's recording, recording it for us here in Acts. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And it was the name of Jesus by which he healed them. He healed him. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated 
common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Look who else is on the scene. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. You know, you tell me, read the story and read it between, between the lines, so to speak. Yes, this man, they gave him healing, but they gave him something that he needed beyond physical healing. He received spiritual redemption and healing. And as a result, thousands come to faith in Christ. Peter and John, they, they didn't view their healing of the man as like, look what we did, this is the big, the big deal is the lame man's healed. No, even Peter and John recognized the big deal, the gospel's proclaimed. There's the fruit of the gospel being proclaimed. That's what matters most. And here's the principle that I mentioned that undergirds our commitment and our reason why we're saying, let's focus upon this one thing as a church and that is pray with our neighbors. And it goes back to what I wrote down. What I have, I give to you. If you know Jesus, you have Jesus. You'll always have Jesus. You may not have silver or gold. You may not have money in your wallet. You may not be able to meet the need of a person, but you have Jesus and therefore we can always, always in every circumstance at every time, we can give Jesus. What do you mean give Jesus? We can pray. We can pray with someone about the deepest longings and desires of their hearts. We can point them in our, in praying with and for, we can point them toward wholehearted life in Jesus. We'll pray, how do we pray? We pray in the name of Jesus. And that gets me to our wholehearted praying. Last week, let me review where we were. We walked through the transformational pathway. What do you mean the transformational pathway? Well. We, we, we note it again and we remind ourselves that the heart is the essence of who we are and within the heart, so to speak, in the Hebrew mind, this is the control center of life, our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices. And I walked us through a framework of, of the heart, so to speak, that shows us the different parts because there are different parts to our hearts. There's our thinking, our feeling, our desires, and the choices that we make. This is utterly biblical as we read our Bibles and see how they spoke of the heart. Y'all, it's, you, you, do, you, you, don't, you don't know this because you, you, you wouldn't be keeping count, but I'm keeping count because I'm in the middle of it. But you know, this is day 49 of daily prayer text. Today's day 49. We're gonna, we're gonna hit 56 on next Sunday. And in these daily prayer texts, we've been learning about prayer. But can I say this? We've also been doing more. We've been praying. And in, in fact, these last four weeks have been about praying the prayers of the Bible because it's in the praying that we learn to pray. And we're doing that because in the midst of this pandemic, I'm telling you, our conviction is the, the most significant thing we can do. We'll do more, but the most important, the priority is pray with your neighbor. And last week I took us through that tool, Transformational Pathway. I had you download a PDF, the link's still there if you wanna get the PDF. If, if you look at the PDF, you know, there's two, two parts of the PDF. There's the front side and there's, there's a back side of the PDF. If you look at the front side, it, it gives us the four questions that relate to the four quadrants of the heart. The first quadrant is our thoughts. And it's being able to ask, it's just simply ask the question, what are you thinking? 
The second quadrant is number two there in your notes is the quadrant of our emotions, our feelings. And that's a simple question. What are you feeling? And then quadrant three is that quadrant of our deepest longings and longings and desires. And it's a question, what are you hoping for? And then note quadrant four, that's the volition. That's the will. That's where we choose. And and, and there's two parts to this choose in, in this process we're talking about here. And that is, it's, it's on our part. Are we willing to take a step of faith to ask, can I pray with you right now? And then, of course, it's a, it's a step of faith on their part to respond and pray with me, whatever that may be. If you go to the back side of that PDF, uh, uh, again, it's just, it's just help. This is, hey, we're in a core group meeting. <laughs> this, this is our DNA. Let's talk about how we engage people. And I give you some additional questions. You'll note on the back side of that PDF, it's just the quadrants with some additional questions. This is not like a formula. You gotta do it just right. You can't fail. This just helps, you know, and it happens however the spirit leads and makes it happen. But Questions can come this way in terms of thoughts. Well, you know, what are some of your thoughts? Tell me more about that. What's going through your mind? I mean, this is, we talk this way normal. In guarding the motions, you know, what are you feeling about that? Can you unpack that emotion? Where do you, what do you sense turning in you? That's the emotional life. And then on the desires, we go, what, what do you long for? What, what, you know, what do you want most? What's your deepest desire? And then when we ask this question for this particular application of this pathway, we're saying, may I pray with you about, about can I pray with you? You don't have to say the exact words, but could, could I pray with you? And then we are seeking to pray with, would you allow me to pray with you now? Can I talk to God about that with you right now? I think we all understand that. I mean, it's just like, if I gave you a test, you'd, you'd, you'd get, get all that. But here's the thing, we wanna live it. In the power of the Spirit, we want to live it. And so I could talk about it, but I think what can help us is to actually see it. So I want you to watch this video. And here's, here's, here's two people engaging this process. Here's you know, Paige, Paige, Paige is talking to Vanessa. They're, this is not strangers, so they're friends. So take that in mind. But I just want you to watch and I just want you to observe. I want you to listen to the conversation. I want you to listen for how Paige walks through the transformational pathway and the questions she uses because they're a little different from these. That's the part I say, you don't have to do it perfect. But listen to the conversation and listen to the prayer that results. Hey, Vanessa, how are you doing? Hey, I, mm, you know what? It's been a rough day. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I just closed off one of my kids uh, from playing outside in the mud and in the dirt and um, was trying to get some stuff done in the house. And it was a, it was an unwelcome interruption, if I'm honest, <laughs> to my day. <laughs> the things that are occurring that we never thought would in these days. Yes, for sure. Yes. But oh. so much, so much good outside time. So much good outside time. That's good. Yeah. And how have you been processing all of this? All that life changing, so many shifts, so many different things. Like how, what are you, how have you been processing this all? That's a really good question. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, and I was thinking through like, what are, what are some of the things that have sifted to the surface? <laughs> yeah. And I am realizing how selfish I am how um, much space I need, how 
how much I would just really love to do what I want to do right now um, and not be tied to three or four other schedules going on around me Mm -hmm. and how much that has changed in my daily life. And I have people and little people pulling on me in different directions and all the hats that I am not used to wearing all the time. Yeah. How's that feel all day long to have four or five other places to be torn and pulled and feel like you're having to manage? Yeah, it's, um, it's exhausting. Um, it, uh, I can feel the constriction of myself at times. Um, and, um, often it's lonely. It's really lonely for, it can be really lonely for me. Mm -hmm. Um, because I do have the margin throughout my day to step in and help with the kids. Um, my husband right now doesn't always have that margin to kind of step in and help with the kids. So it feels like nonstop from, you know, first thing in the morning until probably three o'clock in the afternoon when the school day ends, (laughs) whatever that means, whatever that means with three kids in three different grades needing three different computers. Yeah. What's your like heart dream about? Like, what do you just really want these days? Like the days that feel so long right now, what do you just like want so bad? Mm. If I'm honest, I really want us to just like put it all down and forget it for a couple of days Mm. for that. I want to, I want to alleviate the expectation off of myself to and the demand that really I put on myself to have all the ducks in the row every single day to wear every hat really really well um, and feel like I've accomplished something yes at the end of the day and we've moved the needle just a little bit from where we where we were yesterday to where we need to be mm-hmm. whether that's academically or developmentally or spiritually um, and all oftentimes I just feel like I'm faltering yeah. But to have a day to be that it all like that you can give your own self rest. Yes. About it. Yes. Um, I would love to just walk around the neighborhood by myself and not have a caravan of bicycles or scooters with me. Yes. Make sure not someone's going to get hit by a car from the one or two cars actually driving down the neighborhoods right now. Oh, I feel like I'm the one that yells the loudest in our neighborhood and everyone knows my voice. Oh, oh. Well, I am with there there with you so much. And honestly, like I just want to be, pray for you for a second and pray that the Lord can give you rest. Pray mm-hmm. that like the expectations that you carry um in the day like come from him and that there's not all the extra burdens and that you feel mm-hmm. him with you as you're journeying in the midst of this. Can I pray for you for a second? I will take that. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, Heavenly Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are with us in these crazy days, in these long days, in so many different people and expectations and things to balance, Lord. And I pray that you be with Vanessa. I pray that you allow her to find rest with you. I allow her, pray that you help her find her strength from you alone. Allow her to seek you and the stress and in the crazy of each day. And I pray that you give her sweet, quiet moments to some, to enjoy some time with you, to be reminded that she is not alone, God, um, and that she is right where she needs to get to be as she glorifies you with those that she gets to lead and love in her home right now, God. 
We thank you that you love us more than we could ask or imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to see you. You too. So that's a live example. And, and, and you notice it's not asking the specific questions and getting them exactly right. When Paige asked her, she simply said, have you been processing all this? Say what the Spirit puts in you that you normally say. Um, When it came to her emotions, how how does that feel all day? She gets to the desires, Paige says, what's your heart dream about? And she kept talking and she kind of ended with, what do you want so bad? How about that for a desire? What do you want so bad? And Vanessa could unpack some of that. And then, you know, I want to pray with you for a second. I'll take that. We were made for this. I said we'd end with a miracle. Um, I wasn't kidding when I said that. Last week when I left church, I got a text from Tracy Smith. And all the text said was, call me, I've got a story. Call me, I've got a story. Call me when you get a chance, I've got a story to tell you. And then we played phone tag for a bit. It, it took a day or two for us to connect. And finally, I got her on a Zoom call. And let me say this, Tracy did not want me to record the Zoom call. She didn't text me and have me call her so she could be played in front of all of you. Um, she called because she wanted to, to encourage me with this story. Now think about that. She wanted to encourage me with a story and, you know, 15 minutes ago, I said, y'all, there are stories of what God is doing in you and through you. There are stories, and we want to tell them. So, so again, please follow up on that link and the website and, and tell your story. It's not about you. It's about God and what he's doing in and through us and around us in these days. Well, anyway, she called and said, I want to tell you this story, but boy, when I... And she's telling me, I'm going, no, this is, yes, this is a story. I'm, I'm encouraged by it. But this is a story for all of us. All right. So, so I, got your, I got your text right after church Sunday. I, yeah. I know I didn't get back with you till later, but tell me, you had a story. Tell me what the story was after the okay. service on Sunday when you texted me. Well, usually, you know, my family is watching uh, the sermons together. But this Sunday, we were all rooms. Tommy was in the living room. Allie was in the dining room and I was in our bedroom. Lord, I'm sorry. I was folding laundry while I was listening to you. Very nice. Uh, but not the whole time. Not the whole yeah. Time. Yeah. But this, uh, wait, let me get okay. this straight. Three of you in three different rooms. In three different <laughs> rooms. Listen to the sermons. And, the, and we were on different times, you know, it's like, when oh, you yeah, come in. but anyway, this is so good. Um, and it actually had given some thought to, you know, really reaching out to my neighbors, but we live out, so, you yeah. know, we live out. So our neighbors aren't really close. So sometimes I can forget to do that. But anyway, uh, when it was over, you know, I got on my knees as you were praying and we we're just, you know, I just prayed with you. And then I got up and I thought, you know what? I bought chocolate chip cookie ingredients. So now's the time I'm going to go make them for my neighbors and I'm going to go, you know, take right. them to my neighbors. So I walk into the kitchen and just within, I mean, minutes, um, I see a FedEx truck pull up around our driveway. So I walk out on the porch to greet him and it's this gentleman and he said, I said, Hey, how are you doing? Thank you so much for bringing me the package and Mm -hmm. how are you doing? And he said, I am so tired. And he pointed to his eyes, like to show me, you know, that he had 
you know, bags or rings under his eyes. And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. y'all. I know y'all are working, you know, hard and overtime. And he said, yeah, I'm just worn out. And I said, well, you, would you like something to drink? And he said, Oh, I would love something to drink. And then he just follows me into the house, which is great with me. And so he walks in and, you know, my daughter's there and Tommy's here and I'm, and I offer, I tell him what all I have in the refrigerator. And he says, you know, he'd like tea. So I hand him a couple. And I said, you know, usually I've got cookies. I don't have cookies right now. I'm making them. But I scrounged through the pantry and found something else. And that just led to a conversation. And he showed me a picture of his son. And he said, this is why I'm working so hard. Wow. And um, wow. he was just really sweet. And so, of course... I just got off of hearing your message, Lloyd. <laughs> so my heart's beating and I'm thinking, Lord, okay. Uh, oh, you, that's so you know, funny. you haven't even asked me to walk outside my door. It's just you bring them to me. Oh my gosh. So, anyway, I just look at him and I just said, you know, he told me his name and I said, Would you like me to pray for you? And he and I had no idea what he was gonna say. And he was like, Yes. Wow. Would you? Wow. And I go, oh yeah, of course. And he goes, and would you pray for my wife? Oh he my. Her name. He said, she just started a route today and I'm, you know, I'm worried about her. She's in a different kind of truck. And I was like, oh yeah, I would love to. And, and then I said, well, do you want me to pray now? Or would you rather me just pray? Well, when you, you were wait, <laughs> wait, you were picking it out. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't want to put him in a weird, you know, oh, I didn't I know. Did. I get it. I totally did it. And he was like, oh, you could do both. So if you could just pray now and just keep praying throughout the day. Oh, good. So right there in my dining room, we just prayed, you know, for safety and for his wife and his child. And Oh, my gosh. Rest and um, just thank the Lord for him. And I, it was just it was just really sweet. That really. is killing me. And that happened because you, I got your text as I was walking to my car after church. So it oh, happened. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. I texted it you pretty quickly. After the service. I mean, because I had yeah. it as I was leaving. Yes. Yes. Well, I was really, I mean, I did feel like the Lord, it was just a gift to me. Yeah. And, and it was certainly, I mean, a gift to him because the Lord hears our prayers. Yeah. But it was a gift to me and my family who were all right here watching and hearing just how it happened. And it was just within, I mean, two minutes of getting up from the sermon. Thanks for sharing that. That's amazing. God will put people in your path just in the regular routines of life. If we're spirit dependent, if we're curious, leads can lead to a conversation which can lead to prayer. There's nothing routine about those moments. I, I think that was a miracle in, in the supernatural sense that God orchestrated a moment for Tracy. She didn't have any cook, cook, chocolate chip cookies, have I none? But what I do have, I give to you, you know? I give you Jesus, can I, can I pray with you? And y'all, I do believe that it happens every time that we are curious about, the heart, curious about the heart of another when we engage that heart and when we choose a step of faith and ask the question, can I pray with you right now? And notice she ended by saying, 
it was a gift to me. Well, wait, you're the one that you gave him a drink. You, no, it was a gift to me and my family as I trusted God in that moment. I want to invite you to take the elements for the Lord's table. We will conclude with the table and a song. Take the bread and the cup if you would. Get, get that if you, hopefully you had that ready for this moment. We come to this table and Let's think about the miracle, the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. Lord, we hold this bread in our hand. What a, talk about a miracle. What greater miracle is there than you? Heavenly Father becoming a man, that God became a man and you did so because you love us. Is there a greater miracle, oh God, than the son willingly submitting himself to the cruelty of the cross, beaten and nailed to those beams by the very people he created. Oh God, we are grateful. Is there any greater miracle than Jesus dead and buried, but rising again in three days, having satisfied the payment for sin? Oh God, we are grateful. We hold this bread and recognize Jesus that in sin we taunted you, we nailed you to the cross because it was our sins that held you there. Thank you for giving your body that we might live, that we might not suffer separation from the Father, death. You did it in our place. We say thank you. Take and eat the bread. And in this cup, we, we have this juice symbolic, Lord, of, of, of your blood, and that means your life. Life had to be taken away as a consequence of sin and Yours was taken away, Lord Jesus. You poured it out, all of it for us. In the table, we remember that historic event and we proclaim that there's a coming day when you'll come back and set all things right. For your blood shed, we say thank you, take and drink. Lord Jesus, you are moving in our midst. You are working in this place. You, you are touching every heart. You're healing every heart. You're turning lives around. You're mending every heart. This is what you do. This is who you are. And you're doing it now. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, our God, that is, who you are.